0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman-Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, a weekly interview show about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Alessandra Hayden, who sells her crochet handbags, blankets, coasters, and more at justbehappy.etsy.com. She also blogs, so check out her blog at alessandrahayden.blogspot.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sherry Anderson, owner of Designer Yarn in Sandy, Oregon. You can visit Designer Yarn for all your knitting, crochet, and spinning needs at www.dyarn.com. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello everyone, this is episode 82 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. I'm recording this intro on a very rainy July 19th, 2008. You know, this is a significant day for me because this is my last day as a 31-year-old. Boy, no, I'm actually doing quite well. I um, really look at age as seniority on the planet. Being a cop and court reporter for you know, the first five, six years of my career where I covered Primarily death, destruction, and violent crimes. (laughs) It gave me a a lot of appreciation for just surviving on this planet. Uh, I'm not real sure what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Yeah, I'm hoping to do some sewing, actually. That's how crazy I get on my birthday. I do projects. Anyway, I'm very excited to bring you an interview with Amy Singer, the woman who cooked up the fabulous, fabulous knitting magazine that's online and totally free. Knitty is a fabulous source. It's also a wonderful platform, kind of a springboard for budding designers. If you go through the archives and kind of look at the names, you'll probably find a few people that you recognize as far as you know, the up-and-coming knitters out there. So if you're someone sitting at home right now thinking, oh man, I'd love to be published someday, I think you're going to find this to be a particularly interesting interview because the possibility is out there. Nitty is very popular, so she gets more submissions than she did when she started. However, it's still something within reach if you work hard at your designs. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. Well, I wanted to get a little background about you. Tell me where you're living now. I'm in Toronto. Okay, but I understand you were born in the United States. So.
1: I was born in the U.S. of A. Yes.
0: New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, we
1: were, we're an American family, still American. Um, my family is all over the place, mostly in... New York area, uh, Chicago, where my parents and my sister are, and the rest of the family sort of ran as far away as they could, and they're on the West Coast.
0: So how did you end up in Canada?
1: Uh, dad is a food scientist, and those are the kind of jobs that are, are where they are. And so the first one he had was in New Jersey, and when that went away, he looked for a new one. And No, actually, he was still working, and he got offered this amazing thing at McCain's Foods in Canada. You know, the people that make the potatoes and, oh, yeah, and the yeah. pies and all that. Yeah. So we packed up and moved to what we didn't know was a town of 200 people. And oh, I mean, wow. And loved it, but it was not at all what he had expected. <laughs> right. So that was a couple of years of that. And then we went to um, Labatt's in London. They make beer, and they also own a lot of food companies, including fabulous Laura Secord and their chocolate, which is a Canadian legend. Awesome. And uh, that's where I grew up, and I came to college in Toronto and got my first job, and then Dad got another job at Nutrisweet in Chicago, at which point I wasn't going anywhere because I had a job, man. Right. Um, so you're... all back, and I'm still here.
0: So you're the are you the only one in your family that's still in Canada? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep, they're all gone. But you know what...
0: I love Canadians, and I love, I love Canada, it, I so I, I don't blame you at all. In fact, you, there's a lot of Americans saying, man, I mean, there's a lot of people who almost fled the, fled the country you know, the last couple of election I cycles. So, 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 you know, there are a lot of people who have threatened to move, so you didn't have to pick up. You know, you're already over there. And, well,
1: honestly, I had thought about going back to the States for quite a while, but somewhere around 2000, I have no idea why, I, I stopped wanting to do that so much. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the cool thing about what you're doing is if you decided to move back at any point, you could, it's an it's very online. portable. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of technology on, now. Let's do
1: this. Let's, let's go to Paris or something if it's going to be portable. Let's go to, like, where? I yeah. Mean. Actually, what we really want to do is live on this cruise ship called The World. Have you heard about this? No. This cruise ship, I don't even know all the details because if I look at it too much, I weep. <laughs> the people who own it, it's like a $10 million suite. And, you know, it's bigger than our, our current house, which is not big anyway. Um, huge, you know, it's the best possible way to live a life, in my opinion, anyway. And everybody votes on where they want to go, and this boat just goes places. I should call it a ship, but I don't like that word. It sounds so pompous. So this thing, it's huge. It goes places, and then it just stays in Rio for the carnival. Oh, let's go to Paris because it's, you know, New Year's Eve, and, and there'll be fireworks on the Eiffel Tower.
0: Wow. And your
1: whole life is is living on, on your part of the ship.
0: So how do the people make money? Are they just independently wealthy people? Well, they,
1: that I don't think you have to have $10 million to buy the suite, so I'm pretty oh, sure fairly wealthy before you get on. Okay, boat. so
0: this is a temporary thing. You're not living for a long term.
1: No, this is your house.
0: Oh, this is where they live. Oh, my God. See, that's where I'm trying to figure out how they make money while they're... They must be podcasting, right? I no, I'm just kidding. No, that
1: must be her, with, with the cheap internet connection. <laughs> a minute. I have no uh, idea. It just... Doesn't it sound amazing? It
0: does sound amazing. Yeah, I always wonder, like, people that can do that, like, what life and what that must feel like to not have any worries and to be living in a 10 million well, dollar thing
1: worries but i mean they don't have to worry about mowing the lawn or shoveling no. right they
0: just well they have different worries yeah and they're probably actually bigger worries because like if i lost everything i wouldn't be losing this much <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. how do you move stuff off the boat man yeah what if it sinks and all your gold sinks to that, the bottom me. of the you know you, can say that. <laughs> you know you have all your gold and jewels yeah i don't know but yeah i think um I'll probably be staying on dry land until I can raise about 10 million, you know.
1: Yeah, and then another 10 million, you know, for living expenses. Just some expenses and some
0: jewelry, you know. 20
1: million, and then we can buy a
0: That is something else. But that would be a great way to see the world and knit. You know, just kind of sit on the deck and knit. Can you imagine? Oh, I could, I could really. I, w- I would love a life like that. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful. It's
1: a thing to dream about anyway.
0: Yeah, well, now that we've got everybody, um, now that we all feel bad about our current situation. <laughs> no, we um, feel
1: No, so bad. no I'm, so just, bad. I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> I'm quite content on dry land. But, um, yeah. So how old are you now?
1: Oh, I have to tell you that?
0: Yeah, I ask everyone. It's an annoying thing I do.
1: I'm twice 23, and that's all I'm <laughs> I, I, That's my, not my, old. Uh,
0: yeah, but. It's not. I mean, seriously, I feel like a guy at work turned 27 today. Yeah. And he's going on and on about, you know, because he's the youngest in the department and uh, probably the youngest at the paper is next to the interns. And, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to go home and get old, you know. And I mean, just making 47? these old jokes. No, he's making jokes because he's the youngest and he knows yeah. it grates on everybody's nerves, you know. But the thing is, I mean, my life, I felt like things really got good when I turned 30. Like, and that it's kind of been going really good. Since and when I 30, hit the yeah.
1: thing, that's when things started getting good for me. So
0: Yeah, so I really, it's, it's seniority, you know. I embrace it and love it. Ooh, so that sounds yeah.
1: good. I'm putting that on a shirt.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I really consider, consider it. Well, well, I spent a lot of time um, as a cop reporter. The first part of my uh, career I was uh, covering crime and violence for the newspaper that I wow. cur- still work for. And so I much a lot of death and destruction, and it kind of changed my thinking quite a bit. And when I reach another birthday, it's like, thank you, I made it another year. You know, I really feel like it's a positive. Thing I don't get depressed, and I hope that I'll continue to feel that way into my 80s and 90s. <laughs> know? The reasons that, that
1: that happened, but that's really good attitude. Yeah. We're,
0: we're... Well, I'm, I'm really curious about just your background and how you. I know I've read a little bit about you, but for the folks at home who might not have you know know your story, I don't want to just gloss over it. I want to give you a chance to to tell how you got into this uh, kind of crafty lifestyle. So well, I
1: should I tell you the. the the version that I, I haven't told
0: yes that would be wonderful
1: yeah because i mean everyone i don't know anyone who, who cares can read it because it's out who cares whatever you know? right
0: right yeah i want to hear it let's it? get an exclusive a craft sanity exclusive i'd really dig that oh, you
1: know? okay. uh, <laughs> just keep it true that's all i ask <laughs> not true. I'm not Hang on a second. <clears throat> living in living in canada you know you have to be honest everyone right. <laughs> around here expects at least that of you okay.
0: well that's right. good
1: so when i was six that's
0: that's when you started knitting.
1: Oh, yeah, but I didn't really pick it up until college. And in college, I was taking radio and television arts, which of course I'm completely not using, um being you know a writer and editor person. And I was the typesetter at the newspaper, and the reason I think they liked me best, besides the fact that I wasn't a bad typesetter for someone who didn't have any experience, was that I was the only one that stayed sober while they were all wasted.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is a very dangerous way to put out a newspaper.
1: No, we was in college. Oh, in college. Okay, matter. yeah. Yeah. So no, this was college. Yeah. we would have masthead meetings where smoke would emanate from the room.
0: Oh, my goodness. And I would be
1: sitting next door typesetting, you know, all, I was such a little sweetheart. It's kind of embarrassing.
0: So, you were the typesetter, the responsible, I
1: sober typesetter? Responsible and, yeah, and, and <laughs> I didn't mean to be, but I couldn't really help it, you know, it was like drummed into me. And so, I started knitting for people, and, and that came and went and came and went and came and went. And it always came back. I always came back to knitting. Of all, I mean, I've done everything from beading, which I still do because it's kind of fun, um, to I've never done glass blowing, maybe one day, but it's awfully hot. I've done beeswax candle making, which is kind of fun. I've never woven a basket. Don't think. Uh, and quilting was a really big thing in the late 90s for me, huge, huge. Mostly because I wanted quilts and couldn't afford to buy them, which I don't think is the best motivation for starting a hobby. So, <laughs> you know, cause it only really lasts long. So I have an embarrassingly large stash of quilt fabric, uh, which I am either going to save and sell when it becomes massively collectible, or <laughs> um, get back into it when I retire because it's the kind of thing you need to have an entire room for. Lay it out. It also hurts my back. It's not relaxing. So the more I talk about it, the more I realize I may not be going back to this. <laughs> but I made some great quilts, and I'm very you know, pleased with what I did. And I have one that is still sitting uh, sandwiched, sewn together, but not properly quilted. Um, and that has been since I moved into this house, which would be nine years ago. Being there, <laughs> gathering dust, which is really dumb
0: You might want to look at, look, look up a professional long-arm quilter and You see know what, if they might I've had it.
1: that done with a queen size This is not that big oh, my It's my own just... design And damn it, if it's the last one I do, I should do it myself
0: Yeah, I just did one myself I'd never done free-motion quilting before And I thought, geez, this is kind of stupid It's you know right hard on the back, isn't it? it is, I couldn't believe, like, people who quilt It's like a full-body workout Like it I is. cannot believe, like, and I was just like, man Wow, this and is I really I
1: quilt because of the carpal tunnel that I got all the computer work with the quilting. Oh, goodness.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's... queen of
1: RSI. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully, when you're ready, you'll come back to that.
1: Maybe. I mean, the stuff I got, I picked really cool stuff. I have some really neat Japanese things and and not too much kitsch and and stuff that I probably will still want. Yeah. And uh, if not, I'll do what I always do, and I'll just give it away to someone who wants it, because sometimes I just need it out of the house. The house is 730 square feet.
0: Right, so you need space. two adults in
1: here, plus two rabbits and, and all sorts of other stuff. And many offices are in that house.
0: Oh, so you you work out of your house. I do. The second
1: bedroom is my office.
0: Okay. And do you have a staff that works with you?
1: Um, No. I have my husband who thankfully has his own office in the garage. So we have about, I don't know, 50 feet between the two of us. Um, And, you know, we're both home all day. And he's a computer geek programmer dude. And I'm, you know, computer geek writer lady. And... um, The staff that I have, you know, I think it's really wise. They don't live in my house.
0: (laughs) That might get a little uncomfortable. Yeah, kind of crazy.
1: I've got um, the fabulous Stephanie Roy, who is a Ph.D. and our advertising manager. I think that's really cool. And she does a fabulous job making sure all the pages um, in NIDI are full so that we can afford to pay all our designers. Um, and me, you know, because I like to make my living, too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, well, of course, she gets paid by commission, and, and she does really well. And then we have the fabulous Mandy. Now, Stephanie's in Toronto. Mandy Moore, who is our tech editor, lives all the way in Vancouver, the other end of the country. Wow. And uh, she works crazy hours, um, maybe not by choice, but, you know, I often get emails from her at 8 o'clock in the morning with the three patterns she's edited overnight. Wow. She works. That's just how she works. She's an incredible person. And uh, those are my my two paid employees. Um, if I don't even know, I think it's of them more as like partner friend people because you know there's no forms we fill out. Everyone gets an honorarium, so that it's it's more of a, a handshake business. Mm-hmm. So that everyone knows what they're getting, and it's all agreed on. But you know, it it's just easier, and it feels more like. I don't know, a knitting group there other than this crazy big business with me in a suit because I'm never going to be in a suit. <laughs> then there's Jillian Moreno, who's in Ann Arbor, which is sort of halfway between you and me, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And she's the other half of my brain. Her t- official title is Catalyst. So when I can't think straight, she helps me think straight. Um, some of the best ideas we've come up with uh, have been collaborations between the two of us. And she's also the editor of MidiSpin, being um, a much more experienced spinner than I am and very passionate about the cause. So she's taken Niddy Spin from a little sort of column thing to uh, a reasonably fabulous tiny magazine. I mean, it has a small amount of content, but it's all good content.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting how it's grown, too. Is there anyone else that we're forgetting here?
1: Uh, my husband occasionally codes. The rabbits come in and eat my shoes, but that's really not a lot of help. <laughs> and other than that, I, I consider the, you know, that everyone who collaborates with us and, and sends something in and in some ways is you know, helping out or being part of Mitty. People who've been in since the beginning, like Teresa Vincent Dennerson, who lives in Norway, and I finally got to meet her last year. Um, she's she couldn't be much more part of than she is. She's been in every single issue but one, Wow. two now. She took one one issue off on vacation. She's amazing. So she how did great. you how did you hook up with all these people? The internet, man.
0: So did you know the any internet. of the, did you know any of the people beforehand?
1: No, not a single one.
0: Isn't that awesome?
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool, and it, it went from being kind of an embarrassment because you know I come from a pre-internet world where this was not normal. And so to, for it to be okay for you to make friends with people that you've never <clears throat> excuse me, talked to or seen faces of and only really know because they've told you about what shoes they bought on their blog right. and, you know, here's my latest blog, here's their pretty color. <laughs> I'm so glad. And, oh, my God, now I'm going to meet them. And how not creepy is this? Like, it, it took right. a good year and a half to get through the transition. Right. People who are used to this now. I mean, I'm totally used to it now. And there is no weirdness, but there was serious weirdness around 2003.
0: Oh, yeah, because people yeah. just, it wasn't commonplace now. I mean, now it's common to, like, once a day hear someone say, I'm going to blog this, I'm totally blogging this, you know. And it's
1: like <laughs> My entire group of friends is, is all from the knitting community, and whether we talk knitting all the time or not, and we don't always, we have that one common thread, and it really helps. So I actually found that in the scooter group that I belong to, I'm not relating to them well. We all have Vespas, but none of them knit, and I, I really need knitting scooter people. Oh, you have a Vespa! I, I am really. so
0: jealous. I want a Vespa so bad.
1: That was that was my my special present to myself uh, with my grandma's inheritance.
0: Yeah, that those those rock. But the problem is, you don't want to know my biggest reason why I, I can't get a Vespa. Tell me. Because I'm a bag lady, and I I, no, I, have I, solutions. I, I totally travel with so much stuff. There's no way. Like, have
1: you not seen my blog recently? I need to check it out. Well, on my blog, I'm, I'm starting to sort of categorize this. This is now my challenge, especially with the price of gas as it is. We have a little car. We have a little Subaru in present.
0: How much um, is gas by you?
1: Dollar thirty a liter. Okay. I fly times four ish to get what you're paying versus what we're paying. Because we're oh. over,
0: we're over four. We're like four twenty, four ten, four twenty. That's rough. Yeah.
1: Three last time I was three seventy. But I've now started to challenge myself at safely bring stuff on the on the bike. So I went to Ikea, which is the other end of the city, and I needed to bring home two cheapo summer weight debays and, you know, maybe one other little treaty thing. And I have pictures of how I got it home in one of those $1 recyclable blue Ikea bags. Yeah. Which was bungee corded to the passenger section of my seat. Uh. <laughs> and because they were cushy, I angled it so they were like a little backrest. And it was solid and it wasn't wobbling and it was great. And I have a trunk, I have under-seat storage, and a bag hook under the, the front of the seat. For, so I can get groceries home, no problem. I'm, really? I, my next challenge, I want to get a Japanese maple home from the garden center on my bike. <laughs> this is my thing now. I want, what I can use. Not, so how much, use yarn can,
0: how much yarn can you, can you load into this thing? Have you ever I, tried?
1: Bags and bags. I've tried.
0: Yeah, that is awesome.
1: Yeah, it works out pretty well. Anything. That, I mean, I'm not an idiot. I don't take risks. I, I try not to ride when it rains. I certainly don't ride in the winter because it's, I just know I'm not up to it.
0: But, right. But um,
1: if the weather's dry and I can balance the load and keep it secure, I'm going to try it.
0: Yeah. Well, no, it sounds like, I mean, I think it's just better for the environment, too. And, and they're just so cute. The, they're so cute. I love Vespas. I just yeah, think they're wonderful. Yeah, this one
1: actually, it's a new one, and I specifically made sure the one that I bought was as environmentally friendly as possible. So it's about... As I does it work? It's about six and a half bucks in gas for a week for me, which is about 150 kilometers.
0: Wow. And that's... I'm
1: not good with the, the metric conversion, but I mean, you know, six bucks is six bucks. That's I awesome. all over the city. So, uh, you know, I, I know it's doing better, and I know the emissions are down to what our government considers acceptable. If that's enough, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one. I mean, I live 12 miles from my job, and I'm a reporter. And how fast can your Vespa go?
1: Uh, it easily can go to, I don't know, 80, 90 kilometers an hour.
0: Oh, that's faster than I thought. Yeah,
1: and you can get ones that will go much faster. I don't have a highway speed one, although theoretically this one can go highway speed.
0: I would be kind of afraid to take a Vespa on the highway. I don't know.
1: I'm entitled to. I won't do it. I, I just don't think I want to do it. But there are 250cc Vespas that will ride, you know, fast, fast, fast. At this point, I can go the speed of my car in any city traffic with no stress whatsoever, and it's a 150cc bike. That's cool. I'm very happy with it.
0: Well, Congratulations that you have a Vespa. I think that's wonderful. I, <laughs> that's I think it's great.
1: I, I really do. And i what never my grandma would say. I mean she bought it for me even though she doesn't know and you know, I, I always wonder if she would think I was crazy. Probably
0: she'd, she'd probably be, be and I didn't you're know happy, your happy dear, that's okay. Yeah, I didn't know your grandma, but I think if she sees how happy you sound, just yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's wonderful.
1: She yeah. was one of those. She was one of those. If you were happy with it, then it was fine by her. Well, that's good.
0: That's yeah. good. And it sounds like you're doing, you're, you're doing a wonderful thing for the environment, too. So that's well, great. Well, I, mean, I can
1: help. I mean, yeah. you know, it's nice to leave the car in the driveway. And actually, at this point, my husband got a vintage vessel because he couldn't help himself. <laughs> so the two of us have them, and the car now gets filled up once a month. Wow. That's not bad. That's great. It's actually helping all of us because yeah. you know, it's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, that is, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So, and so everyone buy a Vespa. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> so are they an advertiser yet? No, not <laughs> even. I, I should call them. You yeah. should. You should really call them. And then tell them about this little podcast called Craft Sanity, okay. of how she wants a Vespa, and she, well, she praises them already, and has never even rode
1: one. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the funny thing, too. I bought mine, and they don't let you test drive up here. Really? So you're paying, you know, x thousand dollars. Wait
0: a minute! Never yeah, pay. you're dropping a couple of G's on that, and they don't let you. No. They don't let you test. What kind of what kind of nonsense is that?
1: It's nonsense, but I had ridden a moped, so I wasn't really nervous.
0: Oh yeah, because really I would. Nervous. Yeah, I would have. That's the one concern I would have. Be like, okay, before I put my money down. Of course, what am I talking about? I just bought a road bike, like I bought a a regular, you know, ride you know, yeah. pedal bike, and I didn't test drive that. <laughs> I just I just bought it and I walked out of the store and I didn't even know how to yeah. shift it. So it was a Vespa's
1: kind of... going to be a Vespa. And if you want a Vespa, that's what you're going to get. It's not like you're going to pick that over a Honda. If right. you want a Vespa, you want it because you want that brand, that look, all of that stuff.
0: Right, right. So
1: I know there are lots of dealers all over North America that will let you test drive. Well, plus the thing Toronto, is, not so much.
0: They don't have oh, people like they don't have to try to sell it. I mean, people want these things, yeah, so they
1: really didn't have. They to don't work too hard on me. Yeah, they don't like, have to really. Color?
0: Yeah, <laughs> what color did you go with?
1: Well, I got the Portofino green, which is sort of a vintage shimmery green, and it's pretty, but it's not my dream color. And they didn't have anything that I liked any better, so I got that. I really want something like a vintage robin's egg blue.
0: You know, I yeah, I was thinking if I could get one, I'd get it turquoise, yep. but they don't have turquoise.
1: They can repaint. All I need is $1,000. What? Yeah, they'll repaint it. They'll strip everything. Wait, $1,000? It it's worth it to me. Holy shit i thing for the rest of my life. I want it the right color. Wow. But I don't have it now, so it's still green. Yeah.
0: Well, my I goodness. when you
1: see it blue on the blog.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll know. I'll know that you've yeah, uh, you've got a big, uh, Nitty is expanded or something. <laughs> you know,
1: probably. Uh, well, I don't know if we get any money from, from the book deals and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, th- th- that's, I'd like to hear a little more because Nitty is really what helped get you on the map and get the book deals and oh, all the yeah. things that's come yeah, to that point. So how did you get from, you know, you were your, um, the responsible typesetter girl at the school paper. Uh, how did you get from that point to the editor of Nitty? I mean, what happened in between?
1: It, it's a long kind of boring story, honestly, but it basically covers about 15, 20 years. And in there, I went from having this degree in radio and television that I was sure I was going to use and I was going to be some sort of, like I wanted to be behind the scenes and be a camera person or work the the credit role or or do something. I didn't know what, Um, which is maybe probably why I never got a job in TV, but I got a job as a, a closed caption editor for the deaf, hearing impaired. Um, and did that for several years, which kind of got me working more with words than with anything else, and I just sort of went with that for the next 17 years after that, mm-hmm. and with proofreading and then a little editing, which I like much better, because proofreading is really hard and really boring. I mean, it's repetitive. It's so stressful, especially when you're dealing with million-dollar ad campaigns, and I was. you know, oh, I Oh, geez, Mather yeah. And a whole bunch of other agencies, and it's scary. You screw up, and, you know, <laughs> okay, you get to reprint this entire job, and it's, $30,000. Oh, my goodness. You know, now, knock wood, I never had a, re- a reprint. Yeah,
0: but that's a lot of stress <laughs> to have on your shoulders. A lot of stress all yeah.
1: the time. All the time. So, by the time the, the mid to late 90s came, I, I had not figured out what my dream was. I still didn't know. I was programming websites. I did Jane Sivery's website for a couple of years, which was really cool. That wasn't for money, it was just for the love of Jane, because she's so cool. <laughs> um, she's now called Issa, for anyone who wants to Google her, ISSA. And you may recognize some of her music that you didn't know was hers, because she's pretty cool. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, And so all of that was sort of, I was just becoming this big mush of of qualifications, you know, little bits of things here and there. And then I got another proofreading job around 1990-ish, and and was in this place that I loved the people and hated the work. And one day I was really bored, and I thought, you know, I really wanted to have a job as a quilting editor, because I thought that way I could combine this quilt love that I had And editing, which was becoming the thing I realized I was really good at. And I actually like editing. I I don't like proofreading, but I like editing. And so I thought, hey, wait, wait, I know. I can't get a job at a quilting magazine. Maybe I'll just make up a knitting magazine. If I do a knitting magazine and I edit it myself, that would look really good in a resume. So I came home and told my husband, who named the magazine in five seconds, it was his name that he came up with. Yeah, I can't it. it was not anywhere taken in any way.
0: Now what year was this? What year is this? Two thousand
1: two. Okay. It June. It was pretty much exactly six years ago this month, right about now. Actually.
0: Congratulations! Thank you very much.
1: Uh, and then I had to explain to people why they should waste their time and send patterns to me because nobody was doing that then. So
0: how did you go about it? How did you start? Get I mean, how do you when you have this idea and then what did you? How did you round up people for? Well, we
1: had a, a, sort of a little tiny burgeoning blog knitting blog community. And we were all so pleased, there were like 100 knit bloggers. Aren't we clever? <laughs> 100, right? <laughs> Last now because it's just such a ridiculous number, but that's what it was then. Yeah. And we were all very supportive, and I was looking around and seeing everyone making great designs. Not me, cause I'm not a designer really. But everyone around me was making these beautiful sweaters and just giving them up for free on their blogs. And it really bugged me. I really wanted them to get at least recognition for it. And I thought, well, at the very least, I can make pretty pages, put them all in one place, and there would be a place to go look for all of these cool designs that was centralized. So I told everybody, here's what I want to do on my blog. And it was well-read enough, you know, hundreds some people a day, whatever, at the time. And I got enough designs. And I think I published every single thing that came in because they were all good. And that was what I got. And that was the first issue in September. And people went, oh, this is cool. I like this. Now, did you have advertising the very first time? Oh, no, no, no. No, we didn't even think about advertising until the, the first year was up. It wasn't even something I planned to do. Um, we did this as a, a very much Andy Hardy kind of let's put on a show thing. You know, mm-hmm. if we could, we did. Right. And everybody worked for free, and there was a little bit of money that came in from donations, and I still thank those people because they kept my sanity, and I could pay for my server space. Yeah. And um, and that was it. And then people kept saying, we'd really like to advertise, and kept writing and writing and writing. And so sort of midway in the, the fall issue, um, I decided the next year that it I was time to, to give it a shot, because it was really bothering me that I wasn't getting I wasn't paying these people. And I wasn't getting paid either, but that wasn't the point. You know, these guys deserve something for their work. So we started and it's knockwood just continued to grow.
0: That's really cool. And yeah. I mean it's also, also validation too when you have someone who says, you know, I value what you're doing and I want to advertise in it. That's you know, that's pretty cool. Well, to have that.
1: Somehow we were yeah, we were we were putting together the people that would spend the money on their stuff. Right. And I don't know about you but when I get any print knitting you know <clears throat> excuse me any print knitting magazine first thing I do is flip to the back to look at the ads I don't read the articles i got to, I got to see what people are selling. I want to know what I could have if I, if I had the money to spend on it. <laughs> right. and so I never think of ads as an intrusion. I think of them as part of the, sort of the knitting catalog that Knitty is. Well, I want yeah. to see what's available, and here's the patterns, and here's the stuff you can buy.
0: Right. Well, the thing is it's a, it's a niche publication, too, which really helps because, as you said, you know, the advertisers can reach the, their market, the people that want, it want their stuff, you know, and people who are currently buying their stuff for yep, the most exactly. part. And we so. keep the
1: advertising that way whenever we can.
0: So you made the decision to take we ads? made the decision
1: to take ads that were not flash, you know, no rotating, nothing, splashy, flashing, buy me, buy me, buy me, no, um, you know, bodily uh, enlargement bit. <laughs> you know, right. People still write all the time, can you do this? And we don't. The only place there are any Google ads on the entire site, and those are, are the most tasteful of all sort of mass produced ads, um, and that's on our search page. And that helps to the free costs. So, you know, we're very grateful that people don't mind that they're there and use them. And we say thank you because that helps.
0: Right. It all
1: helps because, you know, it's, it may be a small tight community, but, you know, we want to keep going and we need a certain amount of revenue to continue to go.
0: So when you first started, were you still working a day job? Oh yeah. I was still working a day job till
1: Gen- June of 2006.
0: Okay. So you, it
1: took you a, quite
0: a long time then to get to the Absolutely. point where you could, yeah. you know, so that, what was that four years?
1: Well, it wasn't even a plan, how long will it take me to quit? It wasn't even a, a possibility that I would quit my day job. I'm not, as you can imagine, the person who wasn't going to get drunk with everybody else her age, you know, when she's typesetting in college, is she going to quit her day job to, to try something risky?
0: Uh, but, hey, I'm right no. there with you, because I, I yeah. probably I can't imagine a time when I would quit. I mean, it's a, kind of a dream that it's I would terrifying. be able to, but I can't imagine letting yeah. go of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it got to a point, and this is, I think, what had to happen. It had to happen step by step. It grew and grew. First year wasn't an option. Second year wasn't even close to an option. Third year, things started to sort of skyrocket um, in terms of traffic and readership and ad, ad dollars that were willing to be spent and all of that stuff. And our readership was up so much that it was, you know, it was totally validating the amount of ad dollars that people were spending so that they were getting the value for their money, mm-hmm. which made me feel good because I don't like you know, people buying stuff and then not getting what they paid for. Right, right. Um, so all of that was happening, and then it was coming up on this, this fourth year, this sort of key thing, and I was getting offers for things that I was having to turn down because I ran out of vacation days.
0: Oh, geez.
1: And, you know, they were nitty things. They were all cool opportunities that I couldn't take because I couldn't afford to take unpaid leave. I couldn't really ask. I mean, how much can I push this, this day job? They were kind enough as it was. And so my husband and I sat down uh, on a six-, seven-hour train ride to see my parents for Passover one year. And while we were stuck waiting to get into the Chicago station, we talked about, you know, what if and could I really do this? So we set a tentative date, and I kept redoing the budget, can I, can I, can I, can I, because I was nervous, and I was still nervous. And honestly, I'm still nervous. But it's okay, because I'm on this side of it, and I really like it.
0: Yeah. And does your husband still, does he have a day job, or is he working he on anything?
1: for himself as well. Okay. He's a, quite a creative dude. Um, he programs, and he's coming up with something that I'm hoping... All of our listeners and knitty readers will want to use one day because it's something that can be as ubiquitous as Flickr or Blogger. Oh, awesome! It's really cool, and it's something that no one else is doing. And I'm knocking wood because I'm superstitious. <laughs> um, he's been working on that, he has something else he's working as an add-on to the knitty site, which is really cool. And until I'm closer to it being ready to launch, I can't tell you about it, but it's it's neat, um, and it you know will be very helpful for knitters. And he works on that, and then of course he has his own clients.
0: Okay, so he's kind of got a several irons in the fire. Oh, yeah. He likes yeah. it that
1: way. He's yeah. been pretty much freelance since I met him.
0: That's great. And so you, you made that um, – so what was it like when you went in and you actually said you know, to your employer that, okay, I'm, I'm leaving now or it I'm going to – was
1: gonna... the most weird feeling I'd ever had because being a proofreader, if anyone who's listening is a proofreader, they will know this. If you're a proofreader for advertising, your job is not secure. The first thing people want to cut – when work is slow or revenue is down is the proofreader because they figure other people can do the work. So I was pretty much laid off of every job I ever had. And I didn't know what it was like to go and resign.
0: Because no <laughs> you never imagined that they, you thought they would get rid of you before you would tell them, yeah.
1: And after you get you know, laid off three or four times, you just start to expect that every closed-door meeting is about the next time they're going to lay somebody off, which is you.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Which is not a good way to live your life. No,
0: it's not at all, no.
1: But the day I got to walk in, I thought about it and thought about it. And these people had been nice, and they knew I was doing nitty nights and weekends when they hired me, so that was cool. And when I walked in and told them I was doing this, um, there were three partner guys and they're really nice guys. And in fact, they were all from old school type setting backgrounds. So we really understood each other that way. It was kind of neat. And they came from setting hot metal type from that day, which is before my time.
0: Right, right.
1: And so I said, you know, it's, it's starting to grow to the point where I have to take the chance and I have to go with it. And only one of them made me feel a little bit guilty, you know, like, are you crazy? But the other ones, you know, everyone was pretty much supportive, and they were encouraging me and, and said, you know, good luck. And I'm sure they all expected me to call them three months later. But right, but then you didn't. In two years, and I'm still going. Yeah, and
0: how was it right away? I mean, did you feel like, I mean, were things pretty steady, or did you go through a point, did you did you have a point where you're like, man, I might have to go back, or I might have to get another job? Well, or
1: things, I mean, financially, that's not necessarily, you know, that's not the issue at all. Um, I would say the biggest adjustment was, the year, the first year of working on my own for myself and my own schedule. And considering that knitting had been done in nights and weekends, I'd get home from work and I'd do some knitting. and I'd sit in front of the TV and program some pages and answer emails and do all that. It was very weird to have the whole day available to not have to look over my shoulder and actually do my nitty work. Yeah. It took me a whole year to get, you know, ready to accept that this was my day job.
0: And then you didn't have to do – you didn't have to work all day long, which is probably really nice. To I do.
1: work in I tend to work first thing in the morning, and I, that's when I'm most awake. I used to proofread when I was freelance proofreading. I would get up and start proofreading in my pajamas at 8 a.m. before I was aware of what I was doing and knock yeah. myself out of doing the work. Right, right. Um, so I do that until I you know, sort of burn out. And then, you know, if I want, I can go visit my friends at the Purple Pearl and sit and knit for a while and have a coffee. Or uh, whatever, I can actually knit for a while and I can take breaks, but I I tend to work pretty much every day at some point. And I don't think of that as as a horrible thing because it's not like it was.
0: Well, it's something you enjoy and that's really cool to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to the Purple Pearl now. I'll come back to this later. You know, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's really nice. I I got to go last night and, and you know, recharge a little bit and eat some bad Thai and hang with the peeps and it was I them, so. <laughs> they have. Uh, they don't know it. I'm sorry, girls, but your tie not good. <laughs> thai, time, my end of the city, I'm just <laughs> They may not. They're
0: too busy working, too. Oh, that's funny. So it sounds like this has been a wonderful transition for you um, to kind of, you know, you're, just do your thing and how how quickly was it when you brought in, were you already in using some of the people that you're, because it sounds like you have these connections, these people that are the other parts of Nitty, the other yeah. people that make it work. How soon was it when, you know, that first year, did you start working with some of these folks? Or? Some of
1: them. I mean, um, I got, Jillian came into my life because she, I think she came up separately with an idea for something like Nitty on her own and just didn't have the resources I had to move forward. She is a genius when it comes to ideas and making things happen. So when she saw that Mitty had started, she's like, hey, that's cool, that's like what I was thinking about, and she sent in a pattern, so she was in the first issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we became really good friends within the first year, once we got to meet, and then, you know, once we were met in person and realized that we were both not axe murderers and we really had fun together, then that sort of collaboration built and grew, and it's been nothing but fabulous. Um, I mean, we write books together, and we're still friends. <laughs> that does.
0: Yeah, if you can survive the book experience, then, you know, it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to last forever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then Stephanie came into my life as a result of a submission to Knitwit, which is the first book I got to do. Um, she sent in a yoga bag, and I thought that was really cool, and she was one of the people I hung out with. Jenna Wilson, who designed Rogue, was another. Um, Jenna's too busy now. She's, she's um, a, a triple mom and a lawyer, and she just we don't even have time to see her. She works so hard. But that was my knitting group for a while. And so Stephanie was around, and um, I had Christy Porter from the very beginning as the tech editor. And she had so many offers and so many other things coming along that, you know, this wasn't the best fit for her anyway. She went and did those things, which are brilliant for her. She writes great books, and she designs beautiful patterns. And I found someone else who was a, a good tech editor for a while, um, who's Kate Watson. And if she's listening, we miss you, Kate. Um, she sort of dropped out of the knitting community, but people who've read Knitty since the beginning remember her from the cover of the first issue. Mm-hmm. And she was one of those rare people who could um, reverse engineer a pattern just by looking at it. Wow. She could look at the sweater and write you a pattern. I've never met anybody quite like her. And then life got in her way. It got really complicated, and she had to go away. And thanks to Amy Swenson, who is in Calgary and one of Knitty's biggest supporters and a good friend, um, she said, Well, my friend Mandy, who's just moved out west, is really, really good at this. I think you should talk to her. And Mandy's been the tech editor ever since, for most of Nitty's history, actually. So they've been here for a long, long time. You know, Christy still writes a column with us, so she's been along forever. Teresa's been around since day one. Um, we have people who, who come and write columns for a year or so until they decide that's enough or they have nothing else they want to talk about. And then they, you know, they'll send us an article or a pattern later on. And we all just sort of hang out. It's nice. These are good people.
0: To make something successful like you, you've been able to do. You really do need some support, you know. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you found great people to work with, and that really I does. I continue
1: to. Yeah. And when I get fifteen-year-olds sending in patterns that kick people's asses. Like, <laughs> Isn't that great to see? That's so
0: awesome. That's,
1: I know, and I, you know, sometimes I will see um, like a headshot, and I will not believe that's the person that designed that sock.
0: You're like that must be their daughter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's them. I mean, wow. knitters are way cooler than I was when I was that age.
0: But thanks to people, you know, our age and older, I mean, it's now cool to do it when, you know, when you're 12, you know, make a, you know, make something knitting, you know, because I think uh, it's, knitting is just so popular now. And I'm thrilled when I see young people knitting. I think it's wonderful. So how many submissions do you get per per issue?
1: Um, Fall just came in and it's. Terrifying! It's a huge quantity. It's really bugging me that that I can't take everything. And you know, back when I got eleven submissions and I printed all of them, that was really easy. You know, right? Because you didn't hard. have to say,
0: yeah. Because that is hard when you have to tell someone no, especially yeah. when they put the time into, you know, yep. submitting something, writing their pattern.
1: This is actually our our big sweater issue. So I believe we've got some beautiful, beautiful sweaters and cardigans, um, and. We're cool in that area, but we have a whole bunch of extra stuff that I wouldn't normally put in fall, and there will be some juggling, and some will go in winter, and some may hang over till spring if the designer will let me, you know, we'll talk about it, and some I may have to say, you know what, you guys, you have to self-publish this because it's just it's too good, but I can't use it. Mm-hmm. And, and thank God people can self-publish because that way there's, you know, there's a, a way to use this fabulous pattern that I just can't take advantage of because there's only so much room in
0: knitting. Are you trying to make it bigger for fall, or is it about the same standard you know, size every time? We only time? have one of Mandy. Oh, yeah, you know, that's right. It, it I guess it doesn't matter.
1: To uh, you know, Unless I'm going to have a team of tech editors, and I don't and I don't want to, I want to work with Mandy as long as she'll have me, um, it's up to the amount of workload she can handle. And it also, I don't think it, it really helps anybody if we have 50 patterns of an issue.
0: Right, because you're not going to make, I mean, I know I'm guilty is, of this. Well, I'm guilty of this. I mean, I see these books and these magazines, I'm like, oh, it's luscious. I must have that, and I must make that. And then you have like fifty—if you respond to like fifty patterns like that inside of two weeks, there's no way yeah. in my lifetime I'm going to make all these things that I'd love to make. You know, I'd,
1: I'd rather use sort of what what I've cultivated as my editor's eye, which is not my personal taste, but my taste for knitting—what I think is good for a variety of, of knitters of different ages, body sizes,
0: right. age levels.
1: And put a representative selection there that I think will cover a season nicely. Mm-hmm. And also be nice in the archives. So now we've got you know, four more cardigans going in, and now there's 30 cardigans to pick from when you want to knit a cardigan. Because we try not to make them so um, season-specific that you look at it and go, oh, that's so 1992. I don't want to knit that. I mean, is it's, it's going to happen to some degree, but we try to make it as timeless as possible. So I think it's better to have, you know, I, get, I hate to say it, quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. So summer, I, I think we've got 14 patterns coming in summer, uh, a couple of surprises, and then fall will be more, and winter's always the biggest, because there's all sorts of lots of little bits of things for people to knit in a panic when they realize that they have to do holiday gifts, because we all do it.
0: Right, at the last second, you're yep. pulling up the driveway, and, yep. you know, yeah. And
1: so that's sort of, that's the focus, and it, it, it varies. Every year we sort of, we go to the smallest number of patterns in summer to the biggest in winter, and then ease back down, and it's like this little nice wave thing happening.
0: And so, uh, yeah. So Mandy has a lot of work to do if she's gonna. She works
1: really, really hard, and she doesn't just look at it and go, "Yeah, I think it's right." I mean, she makes the math work. She knits swatches. It's huge work. It's huge work, and that's why when, when an issue goes live, there may be a couple of errors that will get spotted, but the whole thing is not a disaster. There's not, you know, an entire section that's wrong. There may be a thing she's missed, one little thing. Right. Well, and if that's you're happening without test knitting, I think that's pretty amazing work on her part.
0: Yeah, that is, yeah. that is. Yeah. And you have to have, you're, you're really born with that skill, I think. She's able...
1: an amazing person. We're really lucky to have her.
0: Yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there who, you know, have a dream to be published, you know, have their pattern out there and they love to be in nitty. What, what advice do you have for, and I know you have these, I mean, people really want to know they can go to your website too. I'll post links so I can direct anybody who hasn't spent quality time there like myself. <laughs> um, and I know you do tell people, you you know, you have a FAQ that, you know, kind of um, helps people navigate the system of nitty and how to get you know the for best results of getting a pattern published, but what do you what do you recommend that people well, do? Number
1: one, no novelty yarn. It
0: has there's, to be something that... a little bit,
1: and there, it's much less. But there, we're at the point now where there's almost no reason to use it because it was really fun when it was fresh, but it hasn't been fresh for a while. So if you put in something with fluff on the top of it, it's probably not going to get in. And I'd rather tell someone. I'd rather them just say, leave the fluff off.
0: Right, because, yeah, that is not um, – it really kind of did exhaust itself as a trend, yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, it's like
1: ponchos. I mean, things go in and out of style, and that's totally cool. We've got some novelty yarn in some earlier issues, but, you know, not so much anymore. And if you see what's happening at the yarn uh, company level, they're not really producing very much anymore. And if right. they are, it's something that's really unique. I mean, there's this little puff yarn that comes from uh, Shibui Knits, which is from Knit Pearl in uh, Portland. Really mm-hmm. cool people. And it's a thread with a little puff of silk. And it's that I mean, you could call that novelty yarn, but that's not novelty yarn. That's just some kind of crazy creation. It's like the stuff at Habu, mm-hmm. totally unique and crazy. Right. So that's my first bit of advice. And it's not a big deal. And it, as time goes on, it's becoming much, much less of an issue. The number two thing, which really is the number one thing, is the photography. Um, we're really unique because of the way we put the magazine together. And instead of, you know, centrally photographing and picking one photographer and one location and five models... Everyone picks their own model. They shoot it the way they want it seen. They take it to the place they want it represented. And then we get things like the cover picture from last fall's issue, that beautiful scarf with the blue sky in the background.
0: Oh, yeah, that was I mean, beautiful.
1: You know, And that came directly out of the brain of, of Rosemary, who designed it. You know, and I can't improve on that. And part of the charm for me of Nitty is not only that, is that it's people's own designs, but it's sort of people's own art direction in terms of photography
0: right well and there's so much variety too and it really um, to be a designer who gets to be like the art director in the same that's really that is I actually really enjoy that so I I think it's
1: Especially when I see something really fabulous, like the first time I saw a Kate Gilbert submission, which was a nuke with the baby lying on her back on the purple blanket. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And she's staring at the camera. And I mean, how could you not want to just eat that baby for dinner?
0: Right, right. You know, so,
1: of course, let me look at the pattern. Oh, my God, the pattern's also gorgeous. But first of all, the picture's beautiful and enticing.
0: And that's what draws people in.
1: Yep. Yeah. So that's the first thing I want to see. Then I want to see that the pattern is great. And, and the number three thing I would say is unique construction methods without you know knitting things through your toes behind your back i don't want you to make it hard but things like judy's magic cast on you know cat bordy that's her favorite cast on now how cool is that (laughs) yeah come up with a new way of doing something that's been done forever or at least writing it down the first time you know that maybe maybe someone else came up with judy's magic cast on on her own and just did it never told anybody right judy wrote it down and published it and now everyone knows that that's kind of her thing those things I love, and you know, there are still unique ways to put a sock together. Still, I have another one coming that I've never seen before, and I love that. I think that's the most amazing thing is to challenge people and make them think in different directions. So if you want your sock to stand out, come up with a new way to build it. And other than that, really read what we want issue by issue because especially as time goes on, I'm trying to be more specific about what we want. I mean, I'm not going to have issue themes because we did that for a while and it was fun. We had sex in the nitty, we had the man issue, we did all that. But I'm not going to tell you this fall is about skirts or this fall is about purple. This fall is about what do you want to wear. And what you want to wear is different than what the person in Kentucky wants to wear right. and what the person in France wants to wear. And I want to see all that, so I'm not going to tell them. You tell me. Because mostly these people are designing for themselves. True. And, and by designing for yourself, you really can't do much more than then what's important to you, then this is going to be on my body. I, this is what I want to wear right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see.
0: Well, I think that's a great approach, actually. I think that's because that, again, makes it very interesting. Because not only are you seeing people with their own unique photo styles and all this, you, you get to see what is truly um, the essence of, a, of all these designers coming yeah, through. So I, and I
1: love that. I mean, the fact that I get to see old Teague's stuff from Scotland, and it's so clearly her. And, you know, she's going on now to doing bigger designs, and, and I rarely get sweaters from her anymore, and I will keep begging. <laughs> but um, I'll take a beret from her because her berets are just encapsulate her style in a tiny little thing that goes on your head, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad to have that.
0: How competitive is it? Because when you first started, the designers might have been just really thrilled to have their pattern anywhere, you know, and then as, they, as the designers grow and you've grown and the publication's grown and they start getting other opportunities, is it hard for nitty to compete to keep your designers, um, or is it just a loyal? I assume there's probably a built-in loyalty that people well, just love nitty.
1: There is to some degree, but, I'm, you know, I'm quite practical about this. These people have to make a living. Right. And so one of the things that Nitty's is really great at is reminding people that somebody has work for you to look at. So when a new book comes out by an established designer like Kristen Sperkland or Stephanie Jappel, who got her first design published by us, and I'm very proud of that, um, when they have a new book coming out, one of the great ways to celebrate that and to bring attention to that publication is to have a new pattern in Nitty. So I still get them. But I wouldn't be able to discover the the 12 or the 15-year-olds designing the new socks if I didn't have room for them either. Right, right. So there's room for everybody. I mean, I I can't keep anybody. You know, there's no way to keep a designer. Um, I do think our copyright policy is pretty cool, and that's that we have, in quotes, exclusivity for three months, which just means we get to keep the pattern on our website and nowhere else for three months. But the whole time, it is owned by the designer, and it is always owned by the designer. And after three months, they can do whatever they want with it. It'll stay in our archives forever, so we keep it, but they can take it and redesign it and sell it. They can sell it as is. They can put it in a book. They can do whatever they want with it. And that, I don't know of, of many other places that that happens.
0: No, I, no, I can't think of any either. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that is really cool because you're freeing these people up to yep. then go on with their career and you know, yeah, that's wonderful. I
1: mean, I, I want people to make a living and I'm hoping to sort of be the kickstart for people to help that. And it's, they continue to grow, and they can come back and visit us once in a year. Then that's great, you know. And what
0: what is your rate right now for, for people that submit patterns?
1: We pay seventy five to one hundred dollars a submission.
0: Okay, and how does that compare with like a, another knit publication? I mean, is that
1: it's hard to know? I mean, um, it, I know that Interweave. I think it's something like three to five hundred dollars, or that's what I've heard okay. per pattern. Um, But
0: they own your pattern, though. They own
1: your pattern. Yeah, you cannot resell that. But, I mean, I'm aware, you know, you do that, it's a lot more money. I mean, I did a scarf for them, and I made a significant amount of money. You know, I've only ever done this one scarf for a print magazine, and it was very exciting, actually. Yeah. Um, And it's very different, and we can't compete on that level. But we're also doing something different. You know, we're on the web. People at the bottom of every pattern have a link to their store or their whatever they want to present.
0: Right. And
1: I know a lot of people have generated significant sales of their other patterns based on the one pattern they put on Nitty. Right. And but, I hope that happens. That's what I encourage.
0: Well, and that's the beauty of it because you really have created this. I mean, it's it's more than just a knitting magazine online. I mean, it's really, I can see what this could easily be, the, the thing that getting a pattern in nitty can really start, really kick off a career, as you said. I mean, that's what you're trying to do and you're doing it. And that must feel great to be at the helm of this operation and see people like Grow and get these opportunities based on this idea you had that you talked to your husband about, you know, and he came up with a name really quick. I mean, it's kind
1: of crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is kind of crazy. Really uh, and it makes me really happy in that I finally found the thing that makes me happy and want to get out of bed every morning that I love to do. Um, I told someone recently that my reward for working on knitting is getting to work on knitting. That's that's how I get paid. I mean, yeah. I'm so glad to be able to do this, and this is my job. And, and when I get to see people that I published, you know, like Stephanie's leg warmer pattern once, and then she started coming up with these brilliant sweaters, and next thing you know, she's got three books, and I just want to hug her. I'm just so happy. Yeah. That's not because of us. I don't know. Maybe, maybe having the first pattern in MIDI made her have confidence in her own abilities, and, and that's all it took.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, well, and I think sometimes people just need a little sunlight to grow, you know, and it's like, you know, if you can be that mirror, like, kind of, you know, reflecting some sunlight on them, in a sense, or the spotlight, and just kind of saying, hey, look at this person, well, look what they're doing. The
1: platform. I like to think that we're the yeah. platform, but it's not, it's not, I don't think my attention, I mean, I, I put them in there, then they start getting hundreds of emails the day their pattern goes live saying, this is beautiful, oh my God, and then they watch the queues go up on Ravelry as people are, are queuing their pattern,
0: right. and that
1: makes them feel fabulous, in fact, Carrie Williams, who designed Jeannie, that beautiful shawl, I think it was in winter, mm-hmm. uh, didn't know about the designer feature on Ravelry. So I showed it to her last night, and I thought she was going to cry. She got to see her own designer page, see how many people had queued it and how many people had designed it or, or, or knitted it already, and then got to see all the, you know, the ac- user activity page, which I didn't know about until two days ago either. And it was really cool. Like her eyes welled up. I just wanted to hug her. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, this
0: technology is a beautiful thing, you know, when you can see what it's done for people. Yeah. So now you've had some books yourself. I believe you have three out so far. Is that right? Actually, four. Four? Um, okay, I'm missing did one. did which was um, a silly, funny little thing. Okay, and that was, what year was that? That uh, was 2004.
1: Okay, so that was, a,
0: a, how many years then after you, I've, I'm going to screw up the a timeline couple. here. A couple. A couple years after. So yeah. how did that come together? How did they, you...
1: Uh, they, it was a book packager. It's like an independent book producer. Okay. They had an idea and they just needed someone to write it. Okay. So they Googled and they found me and they went, Would you do this? And I went, Yeah. <laughs> do you want me? I was so excited. Yeah. And then Jillian came up with the Big Girl Knits idea and we pitched that to them and we did that book together. And then my dream book was the No Sheet for You book about knitting without wool. And right. I to, I to interweave. And mercifully they took it and I was so happy because I loved working with them. And that was 2006. And then the new one, More Big Real Nuts, just came out this April.
0: Okay, yeah, that's the one I was not I was not counting that one. Yeah. So that so it's for you this has been quite a whirlwind too. And, yeah. you know, over the last few years, I mean you really you're on the book scene, you're doing all this and how fun is that to have it's, books up.
1: Yeah, the first time I actually had I'm so embarrassed. The first time I had my the book published, Knitwit, I actually took the ISBN and had it put on a sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm turning purple now. If you could see me, I'd no,
0: know. I would and do that, something that dorky I only dorkier. So I would be, I would be more ridiculous. Yeah. I,
1: yeah. And, you could know, look me up and stuff, and I'm like, I exist.
0: Oh, that's so funny. But really you know cool. what,
1: though? I think that's great because it kind
0: of shows that you know when you celebrate stuff like that, it's. I mean, that's huge. Having a book out, that's that's huge. Yeah, it's it so really, huge, especially
1: at the very beginning. And I, I you know, I said, I'm, I'm so glad at least I get to do this once. And they're like, dude, you're going to get asked to do it again. I went, no, no, no. And I did, and I was so happy.
0: Yeah. So right now,
1: I mean, we've done four, you know, two together, two on my own. I'm taking a nice break from books and focusing on, on all these little nitty improvements I've been talking about. So there won't be any books for a while.
0: Yeah, we're well, on the map. And it te- I mean, I'm, I'm telling you that, you know, obviously you're in a position now where if you have an idea, people are going to want to talk to you about it. You're established. they you know?
1: listen. That doesn't mean I'm getting published. Well, I'm still trying to figure out what I would want to write next, and I, I don't know what that is. And until I do, I'm not going to worry about it.
0: But well, That sounds like a great plan. Yeah, why yeah, stress when. So. Why stress? Especially, it sounds like you don't have a whole lot of extra time to, you know. So, yeah, wait till you have the idea.
1: Yeah, <laughs> is, is, um, well, you know, it's not the most lucrative thing, which um, is an understatement, unless you're Stephanie fee. God bless her. <laughs>
0: and,
1: and, you know, and even she's not John Grisham, but she's the one person, I think, who can make a, a living off her knitting books, and I'm really glad that that happens for her. Yeah, um, but it, it, it definitely her, is a rarity, yes. It's not about money. It's, you know, you do it because you really want to. Right, And when you hold the book in your hands, it feels really cool
0: yeah, it's got to be about the passion, you have to have a yeah. passion for it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so well so, so what's next for you i mean you're it's it's just amazing i mean it's been so inspiring too, to hear just your story of how this came to be, and now you're you're happily leading this um publication and what what do you want to do next?
1: Well, I want to get mittty to the level it, I, I think it needs to be, and that's not an, I'm really necessarily growing it so much as adding features to it and streamlining and fixing and tidying and all that. So like fixing the archives, the last issue, that was something i have been wanting to do for a while. Um, We're still working on the printer-friendly patterns on how to do them efficiently so that it's not this big, cumbersome, you know, noose around my neck every issue. Um, Because there's a simple way to do it, but it's very labor-intensive. And to do it, to go back to, you know, 25 issues worth of, of stuff and fix that now... We have to do it smart, so that's why we're not rushing into it, and we appreciate people's patience on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of big dreams, there is one other thing that has nothing to do with nitty whatsoever, and I've been working on that for a while, and again, you know, this is really boring, but I can't tell you anything about it till it's closer to being real. <laughs> but it, it maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be able to talk about it by next spring.
0: That'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be cool. And it has nothing to do with nitty.
1: No, but it may have to do with knitting. Oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to say, it probably something to do. With something to
0: do. Okay, so, and yeah. I,
1: and honestly, that's it. I, you know, I, I, once in a while, I want to be able to design some more things. Like, doing Tuscany may be really proud of myself. I'd like to do maybe another one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting to teach in these crazy places, like, you know, boats on the way to Alaska, and I'm going go to go to Calgary and up to Lake Louise, I guess, top of a mountain, with Nancy Bush and Stephanie Harlett and... Cookie A, eh? oh, my God, and we're all going to go teach in, in this cabin. And, what are you uh, going to be teaching? I think I'll be teaching the same thing I did on the boat, which is a really simple plug-and-play lace shell design based on the Tuscany concept. Cool. Yeah, so it's unintimidating. Um, someone's actually already finished one on Ravelry, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I provide a, a sort of a menu of really simple, already vetted lace patterns that are, are not brain-challenging in any way and then show people the simplest way to put them together. There's a hundred ways to make it more complicated, but, you know, this is the simplest way. They can go and build on that afterwards, and maybe I'll teach an advanced level one day.
0: Cool. Yeah. So it's, your knitting is definitely taking you places. You're seeing the world.
1: It's making me happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. I like, I'm loving the travel. I mean, Norway and and the UK last year, and maybe I'll get to go to Wales, because I've now met Brenda Dane, and she's promised me a guest room, so...
0: Brenda's funny. I've interviewed her and she really is funny. It's really great to just hear about how this has dramatically expanded your world to having this, you know, this idea in your head, you execute it. And, you know, I mean, look at all these people, you know, Mm -hmm. now, I mean, that's pretty cool.
1: I'm, I'm very fortunate. I really feel really lucky. But as I say, the re, the reward for, for doing nitty is that I get to continue to do it, and I I hope that continues for many, many years.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to be to a point of security now, though, as far as, you know, with the – I mean, your established advertisers know that this is, like, this is the place to be if you want to reach knitters.
1: Right. But, you know, you can't sit back. It's like a business. I can't sit back and go, yeah, everything's fine. I'll just leave it. i got to keep working. And, right. And, you know, improve it and streamline and, and make it as good as I can – whatever that will be now maybe it'll be better in three months you know gotta keep going
0: yeah yeah in the meantime i'm just gonna keep plugging away doing my thing here at craft sanity and
1: i've really enjoyed talking to you yeah these have been good conversations and questiony things that that not everyone's asked so i like that again
0: i really appreciate nitty and everything you're doing i wish you all the best and i think there are big big things in store for you since you've been able to grow this thing you know and it's just it's a treat i can't wait till the next issue comes out because i always i enjoy it so much well, thank so, you very much yeah. I
1: really like talking to you it's been thanks really
0: great so to much. talk to you have a lovely evening thanks very much Okay, bye, bye. A special thanks to Amy Singer for sharing her story with us we really appreciate that and I hope all you folks at home if you haven't visited knitty.com yet I hope you check it out just prepare yourself because it's one of those websites that will kind of draw you in visit craftsanity.com and just leave a comment on the blog if you've published a lot of patterns or maybe you're just trying to publish your first one if you want to post questions i'll post links to knitty and also links to our sponsors on the web i want to thank Alexandra hayden for sponsoring the show you can buy her crocheted items at justbehappy.etsy.com also check out her blog at AlexandraHayden.blogspot.com. And also special thanks to Sherry Anderson, owner of Designer Yarn in Sandy, Oregon. You can find all the yarn for your knitting, crochet, and spinning needs at www.dyarn.com. If you're interested in sponsoring an upcoming episode of Craft Sanity... Feel free to check out the sponsor link on the main website. It's very affirming to me that people want to support the show that way. Here's a preview. The next episode of Craft Sanity is going to feature Dawn DeVries Sokol. She is the author of Personal Pages and Inspiration, A Thousand Artist Journal Pages. She's very inspiring. So come back for that. As usual, if you have any comments, questions, feel free to email me, jennifer at craftsanity.com. So you guys have a fabulous week. And I'll uh, be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me.
1: Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer
0: Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback, email jennifer at craftsanity.com.
1: Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.
0: I am about to embark on uh, just a week of no work. Well, no work at my day job, so I will not be in the newsroom for the next week. I'm really looking forward to that, so I can focus on all these art and craft related projects I have going on in the background. And so while it will not be totally relaxing because I, I will be doing work. It will be the kind of work that I absolutely love and I will get some beach time in and I will get hopefully a lot of projects in and I'm really hoping to sew myself a new skirt with an apron overlay, the Amy Butler pattern that I've blogged about this. I've really been trying to just carve out the time to make this outfit so wish me luck. I hope that, because I've waited so long to make this, I really hope I do a good job so I can actually wear it out of the house. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I really hope it goes well.